0: Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the
1: audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. We are interviewing Amy Bjorklund, who uh, I worked with in Palace for Days Performing Arts, though... So, Didn't realize that when we first started talking to her about a podcast. Uh, Uh, I was going back and looking at your resume and like, oh, yeah. Anyways, Amy is a freelance actor that travels around right right now. She is up in uh, Flagstaff. Uh, But she has traveled around. She was in Southern California for a long time. She studied at Birmingham City University in England, which we're definitely going to ask about because we love England. Okay. (laughs) And got her BFA from Cal State Fullerton. And when she's not busy running around and being on stage, she has an adorable puppy who is half corgi. And I think you also do rescue for dogs and cats too, right? Or foster them?
2: I do. I work with a senior dog rescue in Scottsdale, Arizona called Forever Loved, and it's a no-kill shelter where they pull seven-year-old dogs or older out of kill shelters and then find fosters or adoptions, or they just, they keep them, you know, sometimes they have to hospice them, but they just make sure that those old boys and girls have some love at the end of their life. Oh,
0: that's amazing. My in-laws always get the older Older dogs at the oh my gosh shelters. yeah
2: senior 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 pets are I'm such an advocate for them because people think they're such trouble but I'm like you guys all they want to do is love you and hang out with you they don't need to right. get run they don't need to get right. trained they're <laughs> yeah. pretty set in their ways like you don't have to just potty really train good them yeah at- exactly exactly and yeah maybe you don't have as long with them because that's another thing I hear a lot is oh I want them for years and years. I'm like, "Yeah, well, why don't you give them some really good years that they have left and it'll it'll mean everything to them." Yeah. Aww. What's the name of that place? It's called Forever Loved and it's based in North Scottsdale in Arizona.
1: Nice. Scottsdale.
2: I'm definitely looking them up because that's excellent. Yeah, there. I mean, I, and then obviously the joy of social media is you can follow everyone so like there's a, a group called the oldies in tennessee that i follow and there's a group called silver muzzles and then you know <laughs> silver there's I like someone, that. <laughs> someone in the uk or somewhere yeah they're everywhere if you if you if you love senior pups there's a thousand and one ways to to help them out
1: nice excellent yeah donkington's definitely an only dog because uh he doesn't oh, really yeah. like to acknowledge that my chinchilla exists so <laughs>
0: <laughs> no he gets pretty jealous
2: it's true pretty
1: set in his ways They really are. Yeah, we can talk all day about dogs, for sure.
2: Yes, that's true. (laughs) That is very true. Uh,
1: So back to um, you in theater. How did you get into theater? Did you always want to be an actor, or did it come later in life, or kind of found you
2: like it just does to some people? I think it. um, My parents just wanted me to do something, and as I think most (laughs) kids. getting into hobbies with parents going, just find something to do. Yeah. Um, so I did, I danced all through middle school and high school. And then in, and I used to do pageants because who doesn't love a good competitive pageant. Uh-huh. Um, and, but then I got into musical theater. My first play was once upon a mattress and I was a freshman in high school and I played the nightingale that sings princess Winifred to sleep on the pile of mattresses.
1: <laughs> nice. And
2: I, um, I got, I got my first laugh and was told I was really good at it. And I, I mean, at 14, I was like, okay, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. And it didn't occur to me to ever think that it was going to be hard or, <laughs> or anything. I was just like, oh, I'll just find something I'm good at. And then I'll just do that for the rest of my life. And, um, People will so yeah, them. that was my first introduction was musical theater. And then I danced with dance companies and, you know, do all the, the community service stuff where you dance in old folks' homes and senior living and orphanages yeah. and all of those things. So it's just a really nice intro into how do you make the storytelling and the performing not a selfish thing, which I, I think it most actors, I like to imagine, battle that is How do you give back with a an industry that is so self-aggrandizing? <laughs> like, what can you do to not make your... You're, it's just about you and i think having that basis in community service with my with performing was really really helpful in that so i did that and then and i i went to undergrad cuz my parents said i don't care what you do but you're getting a college education and i said yep. fine i'll do it in theater and they said fine <laughs> and at the time cal state fullerton was the only college in california that did an actual musical theater degree um otherwise i would have to i would have I would have had to double major in music and theater. And I went, I don't want to be in college that long, so I'll go to a state school. And I also don't want to spend a lot of money on college because it's not really what I want to do with my life. Well, and it's also, is it one of the only BFA programs, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So UCLA, my second, my, when I was going into my sophomore year, UCLA came out with their, um, BFA musical theater. And I mm. tempted. I was tempted to, to transfer over. But again, I was like, I don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on that theater degree. It seems kind of silly. Right. Um, and, and I, again, I was like, I'm already a year in, I only have three more years. If I transfer, I have to start over. So now I think <laughs> like, there are I'm okay, one quarter of the <laughs> like, way done. Let's not do this again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had no interest in being there. I just, knew i needed to finish (laughs) Um, but yeah now there are a couple more schools but cal state fullerton still has one of the the best BFA's. phase definitely in california but it's it's definitely up there in this in the united states it's a great program
1: yeah a couple people we know who have gone there i don't did either of us look at that school no
0: because we weren't supposed to go to school for theater
1: oh
2: yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) what did you get <laughs> you just was, do theater on the side while you major in microbiology, and they're like, This is fine. Uh, I did <laughs> uh, Yeah, that was kind of how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eventually,
1: they gave up and were like, Fine, if you're going to spend all your time in it, just double major. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're like, Can I just switch my major? Because then I could just spend all my time there.
1: Yeah. Eventually, at the end, uh, during junior year, Cindy said, we're going to study abroad in London, and I said, oh, okay, and then the parents (laughs) said, sure, if you want to, and then both of us said, but we can't get double majors if we study abroad, because we'll be, like, one class short for a double major, and they said, well, studying abroad is useful, so I guess you can be a major and a minor, and we said, great, and we took off to London for four months.
2: I love it. A you're able to convince your parents and B you got to go to London and you kind of got like all the best of all the worlds, which is exactly. fantastic. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Worked out for you. Yeah. Good <laughs> job, twin.
0: And we got to do it together because we didn't we did not go to college together. We went to two separate colleges, but we <laughs> chose a program that let us both go, which was super awesome because then, you know, for 4 months out of our college years, uh, we actually got to live together again and experience London and theater
2: together you know which was love it that's really really cool yeah it's so much easier yeah. to do yeah when you have someone yeah so how, did,
1: how did you went out to Especially someone
2: uh, you love right? well too, the other half really <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly was complete
1: for a while exactly <laughs> yes so how did you decide to go to Birmingham was that a program that your school offered or you got to choose where to go or why did you just love oh like, no like I
2: actually Yeah, so I graduated and then went and worked professionally for a while as an entertainer. So I danced with Royal Caribbean for a while, and then I lived in LA and did um, short films and theater, and obviously the odd job, like I worked at coffee shops and catered and everything LA actors do, Mm -hmm. five jobs and and then one New York actors do the
0: exact same thing.
2: Yeah, so when I moved to New York, it was exactly the same thing. It was like temp work, so if I had to quit, it was fine. Or, um, like, I was the coat check at some really hoity-toity restaurants that I love to name drop about now, but the reality is I was a coat check girl at these restaurants. Um, (laughs) Like, I got to see celebrities, but it's not like I hung out with them. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and it's... I was in the same room with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton, but um, all I did was take the coat from their Secret Service person, I didn't actually meet them. <laughs> but it's a cool, like, if I ever write my memoirs, I'm totally going to name drop all the people I got to see.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Cindy and I went to a number of red carpets, saw all kinds of people. They don't have right? any idea who we are, but we saw them. We got some of their <laughs> other
2: right? Yes. And this is all pre-cell phones, too, so it's not like I could selfie with any of them. Everyone just has to believe that I was actually there. perfect even better yes so yeah it was for about I graduated in 2000 and then for about 10 years I just traveled and did shows and studied and tried to quote unquote make it as an actor and then um, I had been sitting at a day job again uh, for a while and I said you know what I'm finally starting to age into actually being able to work because I've never been an ingenue ever (laughs) Even at 18, I think I looked 35. Like, I always just was leading lady. Material. Just have to age into the right roles. Yeah. yeah. and Because I'm yeah. not a soprano and I'm not petite and all of that stuff that you have to fight with musical theater casting. Right. Um, and I said, well, someday I mean, also the, can the same play thing. If you're a mezzo, you're going to
0: sing dance roles, you know? Yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. Or the or the servant role, you know? You're never going to sing the leading lady. And lady. Right,
2: right. You're a leading lady or a character actor. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, at 23, I can't be either of those things. So, you know, you become a pony in the chorus, or you just you work where you can work. Um, And then I realized that I really needed to decide because I was turning 30. I was like, I need to decide if this is what I'm going to do. And my dad had passed. And I was like, I got to figure out where my life is going, because this whole, oh, I'll just do this is not working for me. Um, And so I really started to look at going back to school and do I want to go back to school or do I want to just keep plugging along and see what happens. Um, and I decided I did that thing where you make pros and cons and you Uh are like, what am I doing? And I realized that I would rather act than do literally anything else. And once I made that realization, I started looking at grad schools and then being the, the, um, What's it that's the when you when you're very like, here's what I need to do. And I need to do it in the shortest amount of time possible word that I can't think of right now. Um, so I found uh, the program that would get me my master's in a year. And then I got to go to England to do it. And I said, done, done, done. I'm going to go do that. So, oh, yeah, I did yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah, it was wonderful. I, I looked at MFA's, but I also would like to get my PhD. And so getting a non-terminal theater degree seemed also a really good idea. So, so yeah, I went to England for a year and got my master's and wrote a thesis and got to do some really cool stuff. And, um, I don't, I don't regret it for a minute. It was fantastic.
1: What year were you in England?
2: Um, September of 11 to September of 12. So about six years ago.
1: Nice. When were we in England?
0: <laughs> um, it's been like 12 so years since we were in, in,
1: in England. England. <laughs> graduated in 2006. <laughs> so we were there four to five. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. It- it- it sucks to think like that, though, because you realize suddenly that 13 years have gone by. Like, where did 13 years go? Absolutely. Just really. It's
0: like, why have I not been back to England since then? <laughs> I don't know. Ugh, right. I mean, we've been to Europe a couple times. We've been to Germany multiple times. But I'm well, I spent one day in Ireland on a flight over from from Germany. But I'm like, why have I not been on English streets yet? Why has it been? Yeah.
2: Why has it been that long? But yeah, yeah, because it gets in you. Um, oh, like yeah. it's, it's an
1: just, amazing place. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, That's why you posted- I feel
2: like I'm spending every day going. Okay, in X number of days, I'll be back, and then I can just add this in this imaginary like calendar check off in my head all the time. Yeah, going, every day I'm closer to getting back there.
1: Yeah, and you lived there a year. We were only there like four and a half months. We had a harder time yeah. adjusting coming back to America than we did going yeah. over to
2: England. Yeah. Oh, like you didn't want to be back. No. We didn't want
1: to be back, and yeah. we're back in public transportation. I swear they had to, like, push us out of that
2: house
0: and, like, yeah. convince us to get on the airplane <laughs> to fly home, and we were like, no, yes. no, we but don't no, want I to no, I don't
2: think you understand.
0: I would like to stay here, please. Yeah, I, yeah. I seriously, like, we do not want to go back home. Trust the people us. people here we were no. great.
1: You had a theater we could go to, like, any day of the week within walking uh. distance. There's art galleries galore. We could take a day mm-hmm. or two and go anywhere in, like, Europe for hardly any money, it was right yeah they have pims at every freaking pub i (gasps) want to drink
2: pims at oh my gosh it's so good like food festivals in england are they're just high in heads and tails better than the ones in the states and there's pims yeah and people say that
1: like food is terrible and i'm like i don't know what you guys are eating but sydney and i never had a problem eating over there it was yeah, no. no
2: Because I wasn't a vegan, I wasn't a vegan at the time, and I didn't. I, I ate everything, and so like dollar sausage rolls on my way to class were my favorite thing.
1: Right, Painting just swing cheese. by
2: Greg's, so get a Greg's. latte and a sausage roll for three pound fifty, and I was set. It's fantastic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely miss it over there. Just everything. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, and again,
2: thank goodness for social media, so you can like live vicariously through the people that still live there and post all the time.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. true. I have a lot of friends that visit often, so.
2: Yes, and then, well, then you kind of, I don't, (laughs) it's hard to watch them, because I'm like,
1: why aren't I there? Exactly. How come this is your third time, and I've not been back once?
2: (laughs) Uh, Right. Yes, exactly. But yeah, the theater there is, is, I, um, it's so culturally ingrained that I never felt awkward saying that I was an actor, because, of course, of course, you're in England doing acting stuff. Like it was just so accepted, which I loved.
1: Yes, there's they have I, theaters everywhere outside of the West End theaters. Uh, their government supports theater. They mm-hmm. they just
2: appreciate the arts over there that we don't do over here. Yes, like they have. Like, yeah, yes, I mean we have the very on its last leg, and I hope that does not the case, but the the arts endowment here in the States cannot hold a candle to what no. the Brits and UK does for their arts program. Everything yeah. from actually, you know, bringing up visual artists to performing artists to production artists to everyone, it is a very supported way of life like it's not here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, you know, not that they do everything perfectly, I'm not saying that, it's just it's we could it's do a little better a more yeah <laughs> yes we could <laughs> definitely do better and i don't feel like there's the hang up of celebrity there like it's here everyone assumes that if you want to be an actor that you have to ne- live in la or new york and you mm-hmm. have to have your name on a billboard and you're actually not succeeding unless i know your name and i'm like actually that's not really the case it's if you do good theater, you do good, you know, one woman, one man shows, or you write good podcasts, or you make good books, that's still making art, even if I never make a million dollars. Yeah, as long as I'm making
1: a living and happy, then I feel like that's still doing pretty good. <laughs> right,
2: exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, it miss England. (laughs) Dogs, yeah, again, England and dogs. We could (laughs) and corgis. (laughs) Every time someone says, "What's your dog?" I say corgi, and they look at me, and I'm like, "The Queen's dog," and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, okay, I know what that
2: is." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we could probably go down a rabbit hole with the royal family as well.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. We followed them for years. Yes, Um, I have to step.
0: Yep. Sorry. Um. One of the people that are living on campus backed up their toilet. So I need to go call an Ari and figure out how to fix that. So um, I'll be back in a minute.
2: <laughs> Glamorous life.
0: Yeah, it is. Apparently we, there is no plunger on <laughs> campus right now. So um, I'm going to be back. Keep talking. All right. I'll join you in a minute. Have, have
1: fun with <laughs> <things. Okay>. Bye.
2: <laughs>
1: Production managers. They do everything.
2: <laughs> I'm, yeah, right. Oh. And you can't get away from like life. Like even if you want to, you can't escape things like clogged toilets or paying bills.
1: Well, that in it's she's in New York. It's nine thirty her time. <laughs> but what are you going to do with the clogged right. toilet? Right. So <laughs> she's going to go. You're going to fix out. it yourself. Exactly. Okay, so uh, you went to college. Completely jealous that you got to be in London for so long. Come back to America. Refigure out. I mean, besides missing Mexican food, refigure out how to live in America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mexican food Well, I did the find in Birmingham, I
2: did find good Mexican food, so uh, shout out to Bodega in Birmingham, because okay. they had really good Mexican food, and it was the only place I found, granted, in all of the country of Eng- of England and the UK, but mm-hmm. I did find it. We, we found so, a yeah,
1: Mexican food huh? place, but they gave us um, Cool Ranch tortilla chips, and we're like, well... <laughs> I mean, they're chips, (laughs) so I guess we'll just go with it. It's the only bean and rice and tortillas we've had in, like, a couple months, so, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to enjoy it and smile and nod.
1: Exactly. And probably ask for more because they're chips.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, I came back in 12 and um, ended up in Phoenix by chance um, and have worked uh, and then came to LA and then back to Phoenix and just like gypsy lives do. And it's been an interesting, um, shift from like, I think taking a year to study exclusively and, you know, go in debt and not work and just study changes. Well, it changes everything, but, um, I <laughs> yeah. think going later in life was a benefit because it, it made me realize that it is exactly what I, what I want to do. And it made me realize that Sometimes it's gonna be lean times where you're eating, you know, bell peppers and hummus. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes you're gonna be booking this great tour where you're gonna make a crap ton of money and you can actually eat real food hot food. Yeah. Um, but I think once you decide that this is the life, you just kind of accept it, which I think I wasn't able to do in my early 20s because I still was I was chasing fame and I was chasing money like you do when you start out. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like Actually, I want to be comfortable and be happy and nice to people and make really good theater, which I I guess is, is, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the difference uh, between – you're one of the first actor, like, just actor people we've talked to. Um, Techies and designers and stage managers never go in being like, I'm going to be famous because nobody ever knows (laughs) who we are. Uh, and a lot right. of actors, I feel, you know, because everyone has that, I'm going to be the next Brad Pitt or George Clooney or whoever's the top person right now and make $5 million a movie. And the rest
2: of us are like, yeah, that's right. never going to happen. <laughs> exactly. And I wish that someone would tell baby actors, hey, that's great to like long term think that's what you want, but be good at your craft. Like, that's how I you think get that's there. something that that the production side actually does much better at in building new artists is just really focusing on the craft, not focusing on the measure of the measurable success, which I think if we could teach that to our young actors, is it's about the craft. It's about constantly learning. And it's about being nice to your production staff. And it's about being a good team player. And hey, guess what actors, it's not about you. Like, (laughs) I think that there's a lot of learning, and it's something that I'm really enjoying now that I'm, I'm for the first time, teaching Minecraft is really being able to say, guys, calm down. I get that you want, you know, you're YouTube famous and all of that, but let's actually tell a good story.
1: Yeah, isn't that why we're Cause... here, is to tell stories? Like, it all starts with a script. Well, immersive yes. theater is slightly different, but in the rest of our worlds of performing arts, it all starts with a score of music and or a script, and that's the it- whole purpose is to tell this story somehow
2: yes exactly exactly and it you know it doesn't matter if it gets seen by seven people or a hundred people or a hundred thousand people it matters that the seven people that came to see your story whether you wrote it or are lighting it or are directing it and just did the curtain speech and are watching it like whatever part you have in the piece is vital because it, you literally couldn't do it without everyone else. If you were your own one woman show, you would not be putting on the story, you'd be putting on your one woman show. And even I mean, then, you have to have <laughs> help. Like otherwise you're singing in your shower by yourself and no one cares.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what we always like we and on the tech side and design side and all, we're always, you know, Actors, oh, they trip over everything and they, you know, break props, and they don't (laughs) know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, we all know that without actors, we're just pushing scenery around in pretty lights. Like, nobody really wants to come see that. They're really there to see the actors and we're making the story more exciting by pushing scenery and having pretty lights and being able to hear them on microphones. But... It's a collaborative thing. You need all sides. Otherwise it's a one woman show and you might as well just stand in
2: the park and start talking like a crazy person. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely a team sport. that it, and when you work with people who have that same mentality, it's suck. You can tell with the outcome, like the show is just better. When Mm -hmm. you have a, a team of people that each respect their part in the puzzle, it's so much more interesting to watch. Like, um, so, uh, Cassie Levy is Elsa on Broadway right now and every time that she gets lauded for something, she always, me she's the face of the show, so I get it, but mm-hmm. she always says, I literally couldn't do Let It Go and it wouldn't be what it is without the, the lighting and the sets and the costumes and the production staff because otherwise it's just me singing a pretty song. And I'm like, that's exactly right. It's the yeah. s- spectacle that... whole team is putting together that makes it really cool cool to watch her do her thing you know if she wasn't there it would just be this really cool light show and if they weren't there it would just be her in her car singing so it's (laughs) it's the more that when you see people that are production teams and all the artists come together and put together on a on a single like everyone's on the same page i think is it's just a better piece of art for everyone
1: yeah. And it's better to work in. Like, you want to be there and you're excited about what you're doing and all that. If it's a diva on stage just being a diva, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to work with you.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she loses her voice. And then you get the understudy who's just so happy to be there. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, look, grateful people again. This is amazing. <laughs> she but, said thank you. I think I it also know what helps a lot. <laughs> right. She actually said, knows my name and says thank you. I'm. I mean, I know that that's, there are very, actually, I think in this day and age, there are very much fewer divas than maybe in the past, simply because everyone can record everything.
1: And everybody's friends on Facebook, and, yeah. It's it's everywhere. Within five minutes, you can have a bad comment about someone go through Facebook and Instagram, and everybody knows everyone. Like, apparently, we have, like,
2: 12 mutual
1: friends, so... 16 mutual So, friends? yeah, you mentioned
2: Palos Verdes. Is that from um, George M or, or Anne Frank? Or other, th- like, Palos Verdes is one of those theaters that works, if you live in Los Angeles, you've worked at Palos Verdes.
1: Yeah, not, uh, Anne Frank was the one I recognized in your resume. I don't think I was there for George M. I started around. Yeah, George
2: M was, like, decades ago.
1: Yeah, I was there for almost 10 years, but I wasn't on that Oh, Okay. Way. So yeah, like Ann Meyer, Jason Hammond, uh, you posted a picture of Jason and he had a, a, a Star Wars bag and a Dr. Pepper binder. And you said, this says everything. And I was like, I know who you're talking about. And I didn't even <laughs> see that you tagged Jason on it, but yes. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, I mean, Jason's one of those people that I met him doing um, underpants Gatto here in Phoenix. And we know a cra- crazy amount of the same people that it's bizarre to me that we'd never met in Los Angeles based solely on, you have 9,500 mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> How have we never met, let alone never worked together?
1: Really? So you didn't meet but him when you went out to Arizona?
2: Oh, no, yeah. I didn't, oh. I mean, when again, we've know, we have know Anne, and we know Rebecca, and we know Jim, and we know Lindsay, and like, we know John, yeah. all these people that from thousands of different baby theaters in LA, we don't meet until we do this uber, uber tiny little, well, it's not tiny, but I mean, it's smaller than Palos Verdes. And we both are like we know a lot of the same people, yeah, but again, really comes point. back to be nice to the people that you work with.
1: Yeah, goes all the, the time. Yeah, that's so. Funny. Well, I
2: guess just be nice all the time, but
1: yeah, not just people right? you work with, just in general, that'd be good. Just
2: in general, be kind. Otherwise,
1: people like yeah. Cindy are not going to stop at nine thirty at night and find someone to unclog your toilet. Welcome exactly. back. Exactly. To- exactly, they'll just say no. Good luck. Yep, you have a fun job, twin. I move warehouses, you unclog toilets. Usually it's me the one unclogging toilets.
0: I am not unclogging toilets. I am the stage manager. I am not your babysitter. I I mean, I am as a stage manager. I'm not
2: unclogging your toilet. Okay, (laughs) moving on.
1: We're definitely leaving that in because that's pretty
2: funny. I love working with stage managers who are like, here's my limit. Figure it out from here.
1: Clog toilet at 9.30 at night. That's,
2: I'm good. (laughs) Exactly. I'm done. I did everything I was supposed to do today. You can live, you're adults, is I think what a lot of people also forget. You're an adult. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And at some point, at some point you have to learn how to unclog the toilet and you have to learn how to, oh, I don't know, fend for yourself. It's kind of something that um I'm living in an Airstream here in Flagstaff, which is fantastic. But speaking of having to fend for yourself, it's like, Yes, I'm in a city, so you know, worst case scenario, well, worst case scenario, everyone dies. But hardest yeah, case scenario always. is I have to fix it myself. But it is definitely, like, life throws you curveballs all the time. And and you have to just get used to handling them. You don't always, there is no stage manager. You are your own stage manager in life. <laughs> and then sometimes you do a show and you're gifted with a fantastic stage manager, but it's not their job to unclog your toilet.
1: Praise shows not feel like you should just by common sense uh it's a plunger sticking in the toilet there's only one way in it's pretty easy
0: yeah well that's probably apparently we don't that we don't we don't have a plunger <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, like, now you know what everyone in the cast is getting as a closing night gift <laughs> <laughs> toilet <Twilight>, paper <laughs> and plungers
0: so that's let's good. let's talk about the I think you originally uh, contacted us to talk about the show that you're currently working on, and I can't even remember right now how Uh-oh, you described it, it to us.
2: Yeah, Titus Andronicus. Well, so I've, I watch your Instagram and I listen to your um, episodes, and it's I love when you talk to people who, not necessarily pushing envelopes in like we're using live pig's blood, but more different ways of thinking about things because I think yeah. the I think the landscape of theater is changing, which is fantastic. And mm-hmm. you have to work with people um, who, who take huge risks. And you have to work with people who take baby steps. And I th- also think that you do have to also work with the people who do traditional casting. Like, I think there is value for all. Because if you work with someone who all they do is um, out of the box and hyper aware of culture issues, and th- then you lose the root of our crafts. I and love that you said you, that. You, it's
0: that's kind of my life. Where I am right now is at a at a bel canto program. It's a bel canto training program for artists and it's a specific way of Italian opera. Mm-hmm. And it's a very traditional way and it's completely opposite of everything that I do normally because I love modern pieces, I love new pieces, I love, you know, operas that have been written in the last 20, 30 years. And so to mm-hmm. to, to spend my summers going back doing bel canto is a completely different mindset for me but you're exactly right I feel like I kind of need I need to know where the opera came from in order to know where I'm taking it next you know so
2: totally yeah and it's I mean I I think it's the same with it can be applied to any any craft any business any Mm -hmm. trade is you you have to know your roots and we can turn away Mm -hmm. from our roots we can say oh wow that particular brand of theater is not okay in 2018. But mm-hmm. the only reason it's not okay is because we've evolved in the last 150 years to not to not do that anymore. Right. And we to respect what it don't. was, so that we don't ever go back and make the same mistakes. But I think if you constantly, like, if you're only ever forward thinking and you never turn back and go, okay, actually, here's where we came from. I d- I think eventually, not you lose sight, but it. Sorry. Go ahead you kind of run into
0: the problem again you'll i feel like you would maybe go full circle
2: kind of and, True, and yeah. not realize it yeah exactly yeah i would say that's a great way of saying it yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to you have to know where you're coming itself. from yeah otherwise
1: we're just going to do vaudeville and everyone's going to paint their face black and we'll be like hmm wonder how that happened oh because right. we have to study why we stopped doing that
2: yeah, well, and it, I was just actually talking to one of the other actors in the show about, back, about blackface and the uh, evolution of it and how, um, where it started and what it meant. And then how it had like that really awkward phase of blackface Othellos until Robeson came and was like an actual mm-hmm. African American doing a spectacular Othello. And you go, oh crap, mm-hmm. actually, actors of color can play Othello. And I don't know why that was a red, a, like a light bulb moment for the theater community, <laughs> but <laughs> it was. Um, but now and then you come back to things like uh, Tropic Thunder or It's Always Sunny, where suddenly the the humor of just only I'm only saying this because I literally just talked about this and it's what we're talking about right now. The humor of blackface isn't the um, platform of it. It's not the concept of it. It's that you're now it's the obliviousness of the they're making fun of themselves for not understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you don't know. Like if Glenn Howerton didn't know why his character being a blackface is funny because he knew about blackface in the late 1800s, early 1900s, then his character isn't going to be as funny. It's just going to be a white guy with a bad joke. But because he's Mm. a smart actor and knows his, I think this is all just me, you know, my own world into people I don't know. But like you have to know why it's inappropriate, so then it becomes inappropriately funny. So then, 2018, we can laugh at it, and we're laughing at his character, not at the the blackface. And I think that, right. that goes along with. I mean, that's a generalization of of why we need in our history. But I think it's the same. Like I, I think you need to know what having a more in Shakespeare writing is, or what having um, um, the the one, like for Titus, Lavinia is like this untouched flower of fantasticness. And she's the o- only character other than Lucius's son who, like, she ha- hasn't been to war. And she does. she's just this pure, beautiful white flower that gets destroyed in the play. And if you don't, like, see what it was in, 15, in the 1500s and what it meant then, you can't really play off it now to be able to... To say you know, four hundred years later, here's what we're actually doing. So, I, I think it's an interesting and the colorblind and the blind casting that this cast does, and I think that actually a lot of Shakespeare companies are doing now, only enhances Shakespeare's work or any classic theater work, Kidd or Webster or Fletcher or any of them. I think we're it doesn't necessarily have to be about a character being white or black or Jewish or anything. It's and then we can take the words from there, which I think is one of the cool things about colorblind and gender blind casting for classic plays is that you can give a little bit more freedom.
0: So what, I have, I have two huge questions for that. Number one, sure. do you change, or I don't know if you've done a show, an example is Otello. Do you change the word? Do you change all of the, the more language? I've done, um, or I've seen Otello as a, as an opera, and uh, another big one that pops out in my mind is Magic Flute, where uh, one of the bad guys oh, sure. is, is uh, traditionally black, and they refer to him that he's the bad guy because he's black. And the two right. times I've done it, we've always changed the language, which is easy to do when you, you know, translate it anyways. It's easy, you know, to switch things around. But at this specific company, do you guys, do they do that? Do they change uh, Shakespeare's language in order to change the color of the people or do you do you still do his portfolio and just ignore the fact that you uh that they're not of that color
2: yeah so um for us it we have a very diverse cast so we have many ethnicities so it's actually the the race of the character isn't she hasn't, Don, Don cut, Don and the assistant director, Glenn, um, cut the script so we're doing, like, a 90-minute version instead of a a two-and-a-half-hour version. So the the large chunks have been cut simply because she wants it to be more of a concise, just, Mm -hmm. you know, blow your mind with the violence and the storytelling and how is this world existing and then go home. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. she's not trying to belabor the point. Um, Mm -hmm. But, no, she hasn't removed, like, Tamara refers to Aaron as her more, all the mm-hmm. time and uh, the word more is used significantly but but um, O'Neill the gentleman playing Aaron is not the only black black actor on stage so mm-hmm. it's okay so we've had to work and I I do my scenes O'Neill is an Atlanta actor who's coming in to work at the festival and so he just got in yesterday so his and my scenes we haven't hit yet but it is it does then become you know in the play it could be it could be read that Tamara is Um, in love with Aaron because he's the bad boy and he's a moor and he's the you know the only um, black guy in her world and she's or but since he's not in this particular world of the play we Mm -hmm. have to re-figure out what attracts Tamara to Aaron because it's not the color of his skin it's it's something else and it's kind of neat to be able to say oh it's it's it is literally colorblind casting on this whole thing because it doesn't matter that but it's what so color cool anyone it, is
0: right but it's cool that it, that it does that it does kind of change the meaning of or it can change the meaning and the background of other characters because yes. even if that that guy is of darker skin like you said there's others that are darker skin so it's traditionally right. played that way but how else do you play it? that's so interesting i really like that idea
2: yeah you and also that there's
0: mean, gender sorry, but... gender uh differences too so what uh, do
2: you have an so example titus, of what was done that way? Our Titus is female. With that's the biggest change. So um, a Titus is is written as a man, and we have a woman named Vicky who's playing her. And so Titus is this warrior female who's been at war for forty years, and, and you know, um, and it's again, obviously, we did have to change pronouns, and instead of father, we say mother, and instead of brother, we say sister, but the the intent and the passion and the emotion and the violence hasn't changed because the gender changed and a couple of her, her kids gender. Cause it says she has 25 kids, which we don't have all 25 kids in the <laughs> show. Um, but a couple, a couple of the warriors are women. Um, but the biggest, so like Quintus is female. Um, and Chiron, which is one of Tamara's sons in the, in the original is a female. So I have a son and a daughter instead of two sons, which then interesting makes the rape of Lavinia about it. Again, it changes everyone's character when you change the gender because everyone's Mm -hmm. character arc, because now you have a man and a woman raping a female, which Mm -hmm. makes it just by default different and kind of blows your mind a little bit. And, you know, the, the actress playing Chiron is she bisexual? Is she a lesbian? Is she just...
0: Is it a so power trip?
2: Living? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. What is it? It has nothing... Obviously, as we know in today's culture, rape isn't about sex. So it's obviously not... It maybe has nothing to do with her attraction. I haven't actually talked with Clara about it, but that's something that she has to figure out is it's a very you know violent male role that she's stepping into as a female doing violence on a female. And how do you, as a female make that make that work and make that real because Tamara's violence towards lavinia is terrible but it's it's written as a female violence against female whereas the rape of lavinia is, is written as two men and now we have a man and a woman it's just it's it's this very interesting you know and then you have Tamara and titus as two mothers battling, instead of as a mother and a father battling, which I think also adds this extra layer of emotion. You know, when you have two mother bears or mother tigers or mother lions fighting, (laughs) it's a totally different story than a dad and a mom or, you know, that kind of sense. It, 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 definitely changes the, um, the interaction. I think two mothers who hate each other is a very different kind of guttural violence than a mother and a father who hates them who hates each other I think yeah so that, I think that you know it changes that as well
0: yeah what's so interesting is I've seen I've done a few Shakespeare's and seen a number of Shakespeare's where they change where they cast different genders as you're speaking about but they don't change the language of the piece so it turns mm-hmm. more into like a pants role or how you know Shakespeare originally wrote it for all men and some men just played women's roles sure. but the fact that you guys are actually changing it to reflect what that gender actually is to make it as two mothers or to make it you know a, a brother and a sister as opposed to two brothers I don't I mean I, I don't have a lot of experience in Shakespeare my experience is mostly in opera where we do have pants roles but this sure. is so interesting to me to actually change that whole aspect of it because it does bring on a whole new meaning that you
2: yeah it really does and they're very specific as far as again you're saying is it a pants rule or is it a female and we don't change the pronoun but we know it's a female or is it a female and we are changing the pronouns and then how does that interact like when I did Hamlet last year Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were female and so you know then that changes what's their relationship to Hamlet's Um, And what's their relationship to each other and that kind of, and that, I mean, not to, I don't ever want to um, generalize, but women on stage usually read softer. So how do you Mm -hmm. bring that inherent masculinity in some of Shakespeare's characters Mm -hmm. when you have a female or female identifying person in that character? Like what changes for everyone on stage? So I think you're right. It, It definitely has to be a decision on the production staff and the actors of is this, what is this character and what's their place in the, in the world? Oh, that's a whole other
0: question, but that that made me think I did a a Hamlet, I think my first year in New York city. And it was this tiny little company who um, actually just announced their disbanding, but they were together for 10 years and we did this Hamlet and every character on, or every performer on stage actually had, um, Played the part of the... F- oh, my God. Played the part of the father. Played Claudius. Mm-hmm. And the how you knew who was Claudius was because they would take a hat and put a hat on. And then that person was Claudius. But there were 12 different people who played Claudius throughout the course of the show. Mm-hmm. They all had their one character. But then they also played Claudius. And it was just such an interesting way of doing it. But we never switched um, pronouns. You know, it was it was oh, always sure, the so, same pronoun yeah
2: so like the character was always the same but, but the actor playing it was a different a different yeah, actor that's really cool yeah. yeah it
0: was it was really interesting concepts and yeah. the, the way that hamlet interacted with his father or you know with claudius depended on who physically he was interacting <laughs> with as a performer so sometimes oh yeah much- totally rougher with him and sometimes it was a much more loving relationship depending on who that that performer was on stage so it was a really interesting concept
2: but Uh, i I, love that
0: yeah it was it was amazing and it like you said it completely changes shakespeare which you know shakespeare is just an amazing art form in itself to
2: perform yeah don today she or yesterday at rehearsal she's like i don't know if maybe shakespeare is an alien or <laughs> absolutely like, sometimes maybe. you think that when everything is still 400 years later even his problem plays are still done they're still worked through they're still discussed people spend millions of dollars on him like it's
1: <laughs> fascinating yeah, there's so many theaters where like you're in a festival right now that's just doing shakespeare that almost everyone does it because it's Shakespeare. Well, but our
0: our, our dad is convinced. He's one of those um, non-believers. He thinks that Shakespeare wasn't a real person.
2: He's convinced (laughs) that it
0: was... You yeah, know the theory Rupert. where there was actually five writers because of of yes. how different different styles are. And when obviously when when Stacy and I were in London, we went up to Stratford upon Avon, and you know we went to the Globe, and you know we toured Shakespeare's house, and we kept sending him all these pictures. He's like, nope, it's all fake, it's all fake. None oh of this is really. <laughs> <laughs> of
1: course, I don't know That's if he's ever fantastic. actually read a Shakespeare play. <laughs> we we brought mom to see Shakespeare, and she somewhat gets it. Uh, her and dad don't understand. Uh, the language and dad absolutely would not understand the language.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting read it at school, but
2: yeah. Haven't we all yeah. like <laughs> even those, even people who are, going to and go into the sciences. You, you have to, you have to read something that challenges how you look at the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Exactly. Here. But I always get sad when people, say they can't understand the play or they just don't get shakespeare and not just shakespeare any classic like shakespeare is obviously the most popular but you have someone like thomas middleton or john fletcher who also wrote spectacular plays they just had i don't know if maybe their pr people weren't as good as shakespeare's i have no idea they just (laughs) did that's the thing is david Garrick. david Garrick probably picked up shakespeare first and went boom this is it and i was like but Middleton's going, but what about my plays? I have all of these over here. Garrick's like, nope, I'm doing a festival for Shakespeare, and I'm going to change history. (laughs) And (laughs) him, yeah, (laughs) and that's it. That's all she wrote. But uh, it always, to me, always saddens me because um, it means to me that the the actor just the actor didn't do their job because it's it is hard language. It's really difficult, and. I think sometimes we as actors forget that there are a lot of people in the audience that have never heard these words before. And it mm-hmm. is a different language. And if mm-hmm. if you're not doing your homework as an actor, you're going to lose your people. And the mm-hmm. the person who comes is like, all right, let's give this Shakespeare a try. And then they hate it. Well, you've lost a Shakespearean or a classic or a theater person for the rest of their life because it's going to be very hard to convince them to stand another go twen- back. up. yeah. No, they're not. And for some reason, straight plays, in particular, straight authors, um, not sexuality, straight, straight as in not musical. <laughs> That's, funny. That's where my head um, went to. Playwrights. Like, so many <laughs> like if you if you hate Durant, I hate Durant. I'm never going to watch Durant. Oh, I, I hate Shakespeare. I'm never going to buy Shakespeare. I'm like, yeah, but you saw one. Like mm-hmm. you can't you can't watch Beyond Therapy and think I'm never seeing Durant again. And then, <laughs> come watch I mean, this other show not my favorite that's but... <laughs> actually totally different right exactly or you know miller or o'neill or coward like anyone you can't yeah. you can't be like i'm only going to want that's, <laughs> i always like it. i always akin it to getting a second opinion in the medical field like <laughs> just because you you don't like your doctor and they say you need to get a wart removed you don't just go well, i'm never going to a doctor again no you go to a different doctor And you have them look at your warts, and then you've gotten your second opinion. Like, you can't just go to one thing and then hate it, I think. But maybe that's just the artist in me that's like, let's try something else.
0: I think, I mean, I always bring everything back to opera just because that's where my background is. But there's so many people that are like, oh, I just don't like opera. And I'm like, but what opera? (laughs) I don't, what is it that you, you know, like, there's so, and... I mean, I probably fall into this category. I joke all the time that I don't like opera. um, But I know very specific styles that are not my favorite styles. And there's very specific styles that I love. But people will go see an opera and they just get so intimidated, kind of like Shakespeare, because you know you're going to put three and a half hours into something that's probably in a different language and it's, you know, 400 years old. But that's not like all of opera. Right. You know, I've I made my right. career in, in opera that has been written in the last 20 years. But, you know, it, people are all the time, I run into people and they're like, oh, I just don't like opera. And I was like, well, maybe you don't like bel canto. Maybe you don't like the French opera. Maybe it's, you know, right. Rossini you don't like. Maybe you don't like the modern stuff. But to say you don't like opera is like to say, well, I really just don't like food.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the look on your face right there. Cindy was like, I don't, I don't like this. Yeah,
0: I just, you know, in general, it's just not my favorite. Like,
2: yeah, I'm right. Yeah. No, I think that's it's so applicable to so many things. Yes,
0: I'm actually going to start using that now that I think about it. Next <laughs> time somebody tells me they don't like opera, I'd be like, Yeah, I don't really like to eat either, but you know, I do it. But I do it. <laughs>
1: Well, I was talking to somebody the other day, too. Uh, we were eating lunch, and I forget how it came up. And the Shakespeare language, as we say it now in modern English, either British or American, is not the same as the Elizabethan English that it was written in. There's a right. different uh, pronunciation of words and of letters and... Um, the tone of your voice and things sounded different back then so you really have to understand the language mm-hmm. and not necessarily speak it in old english but understand it and come across of what you're saying otherwise people aren't going to understand it i've watched high school Hold shakespeare like. and i've watched the old globe in london and it's amazing the difference—you could take the same show and a junior high kid's doing it because they've memorized the lines, and a professional Shakespeare actor at the Old Globe is doing it, and it's just stunning. So, yeah, it, yeah. and yeah, until it you do, do on the Lear. But well, we both hate Lear. Yeah, <laughs> bad experience twice. But
0: that's not Shakespeare. That you know, we're not saying we don't like all of Shakespeare.
2: We're saying like we no, just don't yeah, like a like particular Lear.
1: show. No. Well, I think it's, yeah, music. you
2: can't, I think it's hard to like every single thing in someone's canon. Even now you read, you know, exactly. you listen to Taylor Swift, you listen to Eminem or you listen to Jay-Z and you're like, I like his album, except this one song. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what an that's author true. is. I like his work, except this one play I hate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Never need to see it again. Perfectly fine. But the other stuff I'll go <sighs>
2: see over and over yeah. again. Like I want to, so. Yeah, I feel, uh, yeah.
1: So go uh, going
0: back to, this, to the show you guys are actually doing, do you know yes. – so uh, I, I, I did not do my research in the company. Unfortunately, um, the, I don't know, is the director – Somebody that directs at that company? Okay, where am I trying to go with this? Yeah, where are you? Was this decision to cast the way that it's cast and to direct the show the way it's being direct? Is that something that was brought to the company by a director that said, I have this really great idea? Or is this something that's done normally in this company? Does it come from the artistic mm. director? Do you know do you know like how how that came about? Like is it the director I that came mean- and said this is what I want to present. This is how I want to change this, this piece, you know, mm-hmm.
2: I think it has a lot to do. So the come. this is the fourth season, which is the other reason I reached out to you guys, because oh. it is a young company that, that doesn't have a lot of like people okay. telling them what they can and can't do. So well, they, again,
0: I was amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this is their fourth season, um, and they—they, they, I think they're growing intelligently. Where you know they did one play the first season, and then they did two plays the second season. They didn't just go balls out and say, "Here's what we're doing. We're going to do 19 theater shows, and it's going to be this." They're growing mm-hmm. really organically, which I think is very smart, um, mm-hmm. especially since Mike Staff isn't—I mean, it's a mountain city, mountain town. Uh, it's a college town. It's not, you know, a big metro uh, metropolis like Denver or um, mm-hmm. Phoenix, even where I you don't have necessarily careful. subscribers who all year long go see theater you've Mm -hmm. it's a very migratory college town um so she dawn tucker is the uh executive artistic director and she started the program with the other actors and production team program the festival and um when i mentioned that i'd reached out to you and i said i did it specifically because of your gender and colorblind casting Mm -hmm. yesterday, she was like, you know, until you mentioned that it didn't occur to me that it was colorblind casting. And I went, well, there's my answer. Like, (laughs) She didn't go into it going, let's break molds. She went into it going, I think she knew she wanted a female Titus. And Uh I I definitely know that as a company, they want more gender equality casting. So it's not, um, you know, the three Shakespeare women and then a bunch of men. Anne, right. which is pretty much right. every play of his it,
0: it's ev- um, it's everything right and the women are play. always the like you know being taken advantage of and you know it's, it's kind of amazing that she didn't i love that her intention wasn't we are going like she didn't go in with the intention of doing this to in to uh draw attention to herself
2: oh yeah no nope this was definitely just here are the actors that I want. Oh, hey, by the way, they're all different colors. Oh, interesting. Right. That's a girl. Like, it's just... Yeah, like, people idea, you know, were Because some of the based stuff... On, based on their talent and not on... Yeah. Their exactly. Yeah. Physical it, yeah. attributes. How amazing exactly. is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's exactly what... I mean, some physical attributes, like, age has to come into it, and, um, like, you can't have a 22-year-old Titus, it just doesn't work, but other than that, other than just specifically going, I need, uh, you know, a woman like my character, I need to believe that you could have a 20 year old kid. Okay. I believe that. Yeah. Because I, you know, you can't have a 22 year old Tamara because you should, it's just, you just don't believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than, than that, you know, and like young Lucius has to look like a child, but um, other than that, it, it seems very like, it was literally just here's the here's the actor i want for this job and it doesn't matter what they look like they're just good at what they do which i think is fantastic that Absolutely. is
0: fantastic i i yeah. for me trying to think about it i would try i'm trying to figure out if that would make me feel more free or if that would completely freak me out you know i'm as a stage manager i very much have like parameters you know and when i create a schedule i start with the you know this is what i have and these are my limits But to go into a casting room and you don't even have a list, like I need five men and five women, you know, you just go in and you say I have 10 actors. Um, As a stage manager, that kind of stresses me out because now I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know where to begin. But I can see an artistic person, you know, being feeling very freed by that. Like you go in and you're just like, I need 10 people. If I have 10 women and that's who I have, like that's who I have. That's kind of. Yeah, that's kind of awesome from their perspective.
2: Yeah, like um, uh, Taming. I know that um, uh, Catherine, Kate, in Taming is a woman of color. And I mm-hmm. know that um, a couple, one of the actresses has uh, chosen to make her character non-binary. And that director was like, yep, go ahead. So wow. it's a very, it's a very, I think some choice, like, for example, Tempest, which runs in October and is the, it closes the festival, is by choice, an all-female cast. So that is a definite. Again, I don't think it's a female-identifying cast. I don't think mm-hmm. it's um, the the ethnicity doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. I do know that they're making that is a, that is a choice to make that all female. It's like, um, well, Utah Shakes is it Utah or Oregon is doing um, a really gender-blind casting of Oklahoma this summer, which is you know changing the way people think of Oklahoma thank goodness oh I, um, I mean
0: Jesus people should never do Oklahoma ever again but yeah, I Haven't but again I haven't, other than
2: realizing where it fits in the canon of musical theater right know, right that's true place, I haven't but, heard about that uh, I have to look into that yeah no I think um if I'm remembering correctly Will and Ado Annie are both female instead of that or I'm sorry I can't remember fully off the top of my head because I read this about a month ago um, or Curly and Lori are both female and then Will and Ado are both male. It's something along those lines. Like it's very much a LBTQ, LB, I'm missing a letter, um, yeah. pushing the boundaries of relationships in a, you know, in a musical that's 90 years old, which I think is just Fantastic. Because you can only watch the same Oklahoma so many times. <laughs> like you can and it I have my my brother-in-law's telling me that I have to stop
0: talking soon. But I have another question which would probably go on for another hour if I could. This totally okay, so this leads me to this leads me to the question. That, I mean you you totally brought it up, but it's the whole gender identifying question and how mm-hmm. people see themselves. And the reason I bring this up is because when I was in Portland, Oregon, one of our chorus members was transgender and it it was, and Portland is a very liberal city. The mm-hmm. state is not, but you, you know, they're very, they're <laughs> very open thinking. And it turned into a very large discussion and the whole company actually started to have um, a huge discussion about it. And they brought in somebody f- for a lecture and they started distributing material, but it was about how we refer to people in in a rehearsal room and how we you know we had a chorus member who was transitioning and how they wanted to be referred to and you know they sang uh, a mezzo role but we costumed them as one of the men soldiers chorus you know and mm-hmm. how we go about that and at the time and at the time Seven weeks ago, you know, this was <laughs> something that I, had, I never really had to consider, especially as a stage manager. You know, when I when I sure. get people's attention in rehearsal, I, you know, I say, "Oh, men enter you men enter stage right, women you enter stage left," but it's just a traditional thing you do in traditional opera because that's the way it was written. And we, right. I, me and stage management and staff, had to start transitioning the way that we spoke, and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting, but this is going to take a long time to catch on." dead serious the company i'm at now has an exact similar situation that's going mm-hmm. on and it's mm-hmm. and it's i'm so grateful for the the time that i had in portland to start kind of changing my brain over sure. so i'm curious if any shows that in the festival that you're working on now if any of that is coming up at all if you have anybody who is transgender or if it's if there's anybody that's cast that's that is um, portraying that, that situation.
2: So in Titus, I, if there is someone, they have not made it public and I never want to generalize, but it does not appear that that is someone's journey in our mm-hmm. cast. Um, in, I'm not with the taming cast, so I don't know. I just, I know that the woman who's playing the um, she's chosen to make her character non-binary. She as an actress, I don't believe is.
0: But I think it's um, so, so wonderful it's like, that they're,
2: yeah. they're
0: even portraying it, you know? like they, Yeah, they're... just
2: being like, gender doesn't matter for this character. It's not exactly. about their gender. Yeah. Yeah. And again, she is one of the supporting characters. And I, I know she's one of the um, the utilitarian actors that plays more than one part in the show. So it is kind of neat to work with a company that and again, I haven't been in the room for this discussion. This is totally hearsay or second-level second, second level hearing, um, mm-hmm. whatever that's called. But uh, <laughs> it's nice to work with a company that is open to that even being brought to the table as an option and right. not, you know. And I think it is a slow, it's a slow process that the theater community is going through. Like, it's not a new, new process. We had transgender actors in... 1500s like well, this has been 400 right. years of this it's right. just i think it's nice to be in a community of people a creates a safe enough space for someone going through that transition mm-hmm. to say Here, here's what i'm going through here's what here's the amount that i'm going to tell you and here's if you respect me what i would like to be referred to as and yes. then if you have questions you can come ask me but i also think that that's where it should end like it, it shouldn't be like open it's day a- for them It's not then the discussion (laughs) that we need to sit down for an hour and talk to this person about their private life, but I do appreciate that in the arts, we can create a space where that person doesn't necessarily need to feel judged or embarrassed or, you know, it's a safe place for them to say, here's my life, here's my journey,
0: can you help me with
2: it or not or whatever you want to do.
0: No, I completely agree with you because nobody ever sits down with me and says, so let's talk about the fact that you're married to a guy. You know like that right, just doesn't come right. up in
2: conversation. No, and it's just yeah.
0: It's it, it's just, you know, it's just normal. And so I think it's it's wonderful that it Portland Opera and uh, Teatro Nuevo where I'm working right now, Nuovo, I keep getting corrected by Will Crutchfield is is a place <laughs> that is um you that know, thing. it 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 was brought to our attention and it was accepted and we moved on and it wasn't something anybody's dwelled on.
2: Exactly. Um, and I think that's the key. I think that's yeah. the key. I think it's the same. There's a, a period of time where you have to, you have to adjust to it and be like, okay, here's our reality. But yeah, I think you're right. You cannot dwell on it. It cannot be part of the narrative for the whole play or else that's what the play becomes about. Mm-hmm. Think, well, exactly. Or the opera what or the, just the show.
0: Changing just everybody trying to think of way, not think of ways. What am I trying to say? I <laughs> actually, I had a really hard time being from Southern California. Um, And I know there's like memes that go around about this all the time. I use guys all the time as a,
2: yeah,
0: everything, everything as a guy. Um, It's just my Southern California nature. And I found myself all the time trying to get, you know, 60 chorus members' attention in rehearsal and be like, guys, I need you to be quiet. And then I'd be like, guys, can I say guys? But then I was like, I call everybody guys. So is this okay? (laughs) You know?
2: Um, Yeah. It It is a fine line between, between just being like, here's this has nothing to do with anyone except I need your attention, and it,
0: not crossing exactly. it to be hurtful exactly. to anyone. And, yeah, and thankfully, I don't think um, anybody was ever offended by it, and nobody ever did anything. But it just starts making you think about the way you use language and how important language actually is. Totally. Um, which is kind of exactly what Shakespeare is. You know, it's it's all about yeah. language because that was live theater was the only way that people got information to each other for the most part. So. Well,
2: and if you think about it, well, how many of his plays involve a woman dressed as a man and then a man falls in love with a man? And you're like, wait a minute. All the time. There's <Exactly>. something <laughs> happening here. <laughs> it's even better because it's men. It. It. Exactly.
1: It's men, men plain women, plain men, plain women. And it's like, but well, I don't know yeah. where the line is here because we're. <laughs> right so i i don't remember what sex you're trying to play right now i'm sorry
2: right and i don't know who you're attracted to if it's the man or the woman so just just be attracted to both of them that's right. yeah.
0: Great. <laughs> just be attracted to the person as a person because that's what it, happens in real life you're attracted exactly. to a person
2: <laughs> talk about i mean talk about breaking the the barriers i mean or setting the stage for future conversations i mean shakespeare yeah. literally was like it's about the person Yes, we're right. gonna make jokes about their anatomy, and yes, we're gonna make jokes about doing things to their body, ha ha ha. But the reality is I under the mask, I f- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the villains fall in love like everyone falls in love with the person, not not Sex. like the extra the, the extra stuff. It's the soul. It's the it's yes. I think why is <laughs> well, I think it's that goes back parts. to your first
0: question I'm pretty sure Shakespeare was an alien actually now that you mention it
1: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, was he was way a ahead of the oh,
1: in so many time- ways what if he's the doctor? Catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the doctor and he's just messing with people yes <laughs> oh. talk, <laughs> talk about that would be go fantastic to a Shakespeare <laughs> show now.
2: yes a fantastic fanfic is that the doctor actually is Shakespeare dressed as the doctor
1: Hi. I think that might exist.
2: (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure someone's written it. It's much better than how I just said it. No doubt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I can totally see that. Like, yeah. When you really know Shakespeare and you really, and I was lucky enough to study Shakespeare quite a while in college, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just the more you learn about him, the, the, and the more you would learn about his work or their work. If you want to listen to my father who believes there's multiple Shakespeare's, um, It's just, you know, it's it's just very amazing. So,
2: well, yeah. Um, I, I think he's the epitome of you don't do it alone. He, he didn't sit down oh, and write absolutely. this out. The actors oh, no. wrote it out, or the stage managers wrote it out, or the, mm-hmm. you know, the um, stall writers wrote it. And then he was dead. And 20 years later, or 16 years later, someone wrote them all out. So,
0: oh, I mean, that's dad's why you, not have wrong. All
2: the,
0: you have, you know, <laughs> what is it? You have the portfolio and you have the, um, there's yeah, yeah, too, the like,
2: first folio and then you have all the quattros that right. are like these yeah. Exactly. Exactly And then the second folio and then the third folio and then people argue about the quatros versus the first folio. Like the amount of research done into one or two or three word differences in a play mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. just is it mind boggling.
0: Well he's yeah. I mean he was he was writing at the the same time that Belcanto was being written, which is obviously where I am uh, during the summer but it's the same thing when when Rossini and Mozart like wrote certain things they wrote for a specific person or they wrote for a specific house and we're actually doing one this summer which Mm -hmm. is I you know I never thought about how closely related to Shakespeare it is but we're doing Tancredi but we're also doing Tancredi Refoto I'm horrible at English my apologies Lucy but um, it's Tancredi, but when it transferred to a different company at a different house their performers their singers were different singers so he wrote different arias to to match those singers voices so it's the same show but it has all these different arias and right. and that's what cadenzas are and that's what you know some of the, some of these different pieces are because it was tailored to those specific performers and i feel like that's so shakespeare you know he kind of wrote bits and pieces and then whatever actor was on stage that night chose what they were going (laughs) to perform and and what they were going to
2: say sometimes and (laughs) right what joke they were going to tell and
0: yeah people want to take it as gospel now and you're like no that's not that was never the intention that was never how it was written you know
2: no i mean nothing of the as but you guys both know, nothing of this was ever meant to be seen past the run of the play. Right. <clears throat> and then that was it. Like, no, they didn't write down plays. They didn't write. They didn't bind no. plays. It was you just had, like sheets of paper, paper that through. you picked up.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's exactly what, you know, yeah, was, so until, was at the same time. So,
2: right. Yeah. Because until publishing came about in the 1600s, it didn't even occur to people to have like books still took months to. To create because it was you know monks and a pen, <laughs> and
1: then we had to buy that and, uh, <laughs> and we had to get it out. Right, there. yeah. Not very. Well, we should
2: we should probably wrap it up
0: before my brother in law has a heart attack about editing all of this. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: Aww, he'll love it till thing fan gets fantastic. Like, <laughs> to, to be fair, we are so excited talking. About... i'm gonna leave all the stuff yeah. about dogs in. I know.
1: Uh, well, he's the one who wanted a dog named Sir Doggington, so he's all good with dogs.
2: So he—it's his own fault, really—is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing too. Actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I only know Doctor Who because of him, so yeah.
2: So he—it balances. It balances. <laughs> well, I thank you guys. I mean, them. The, it's always so great to speak with theater people who love theater for theater or theater history or opera like just love the arts for what they do and like I said I've I watch you on Instagram and I listen to you and I love who you talk to because you guys talk to passionate people and I think um it's just very very important in in the world to see more than just Broadway and more than just the globe and more than just these big huge West End shows because there's some really fantastic work happening in 100 seat theaters in you know Mm -hmm. Flagstaff Arizona or something like and I think it's it's people like you two that, and your brother in law, and Sir Doggington, that makes it. <laughs> that make it us the those of us who can't get to Portland and who can't get to New Jersey and who can't get like, these places that can, see the art happening. So I mean, thank you guys, because otherwise we all would live in a tiny little bubble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of us you know it's,
2: it's 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 the grassroots
0: world I think that makes yes. that will make the bigger operas change and and that's actually what we talk about in opera all the time you know the bigger opera companies want to change they want to do um, new works they want to do exciting pieces they want to push the envelope and they can't because of their their donor base and money more or less yep. and so so many of them are starting to fund smaller projects or to starting smaller companies because that's what they want to do because that's where the passion is and so the fact that there are small theater companies well what you know people consider small but there's places like flagstaff that's doing that are doing these amazing pieces and amazing casting you know that's what's in 10 years from now going to make it possible for for the large companies to do it because they're going to you know they they start it and so, yeah,
2: they they see it works, and I get you know when yeah. you have millions of dollars on the line, and you don't want to take a risk. I get it. So you're right; it's about the baby steps and the small, mm-hmm. small little waves that that small theater company and is what gets you know. Granted, this was twenty years ago, but it's what gets things like rent up there because rent oh, yeah. started in you know a tiny little theater in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. and it grew to be what it is because it it's just really good theater and i think that that's the case with you know a lot of things but right yeah so it it takes it takes a village and we are a huge village of entertainers and production teams and writers and everyone that that is changing the face of theater which i think is fantastic
0: and we do it cuz we're passionate about it cuz we all love it right it's the
2: only reason we do yeah. it otherwise we would be on clogging toilets and i <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, it all comes
0: so down to So, my update on clogging toilets. Um, thank you, Aida, if you ever listen to it. Apparently, if you Google it, you can use dish soap and you pour dish soap in the toilet and you wait half an hour and it'll unclog your toilet. So, I no longer need to
2: go find a plunger. That's disturbing and really cool. Yeah, How well, dish soap is supposed I don't have to, have to go find a plunger. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, the of the story, happy ending. No plunger. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs>
1: That's excellent to know, though, because I just had to go buy a plunger, like, a week ago.
2: (sighs) I don't know.
0: Too bad we didn't do this podcast earlier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Could have saved us trouble. Uh, So before we forget the last question, um, the last question after Twins' last question is, do you got
2: any good twin stories? Any good twin stories? Um, Well, yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite, I can't believe this actually happened Sorry, And I'll cut it and I'll make it very fast. So when I was in college, there was a set of twins and they were blonde and Barbie and very like the, and I don't, I mean, no disrespect, I'm blonde, so I'm not saying anything about it, but they were the epitome of a dippy 18 year old blonde that you just face palm every five minutes if they said something. And they were both sitting, we were sitting in the theater doing a musical in college and they were sitting together. And this is a conversation that happened. Um... Like so, another person came on, and they were talking about um, a musical, and they were talking about, then they said, "Oh, that's Scottish play," and um, they had this whole conversation back and forth. And the two girls are watching with these just wide eyed, "I can't believe this is happening." And then one of them looks to their sister and says, "But can we can we still sing the song?" And their sister goes, "I don't know." And, well, can we ask? And they're like, they were having that twin conversation of finishing each other's sentences and they knew exactly what the question was. Can, you, can we sing the songs? So they raised their hand to this, the guy who was telling the story and they're like, "But can you sing the song? And he says, what? He says, well, is it bad luck to sing the song? And he looked at her and her sister said, from the musical. And he looked at both of them. He was like, what are you talking about? And at the same time, they just said, Brigadoon, can you sing the songs? Is it bad luck to sing Brigadoon in the theater? And then they looked around like they were petrified something was going to happen to them. And I just looked at both of them and going, we're not talking about the, the Scottish play Brigadoon. And I, every single time I hear the curse of the Scottish play, I think of those two beautiful blonde twins trying to figure out if they Brigadoon. can sing the songs. If Yeah, because they were like, well, can we, you know, Oh my gosh, it was the best, most <laughs> best. I just was blown away, going, yeah, you're no, you're safe. You can still sing Brigadoon in the theater. You're good.
0: You can say Brigadoon, you can you're say
2: okay. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> no one's gonna die if you say Brigadoon in the theater. You're fine. So yeah, that was my one encounter of twin minds, and I weirdly I have a lot of friends being in my late 30s who have gone through IVF, and they have twins, so they are constantly posting baby pictures of their twins, and Twin mind and all of that. So it's, I have a feeling in the, in the coming decades, my stories about twins will only duplicate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Due to, uh, people being on birth control or all the science behind it, it is, uh, yeah. definitely making twins and triplets or whatever, way more, uh, out there, way more people have yeah. it, way more yeah. stories facebook posts, so just
2: think groups. when you t- ask that question in like 10 years the person answering it is going to have so many twin stories because they'll be everywhere
1: we'll start a new podcast <laughs> you can shit. start What's an army Stories, yes of twins it'll be great we'll just confuse everyone
2: <laughs> yes that's your that's how you guys take over the world is by confusion
1: <laughs> oh, there we go twin we haven't thought about that strategy
0: <laughs> wow! Well, I was I should go learn Brigadoon. Actually, that's all I can think
2: about right now. <laughs> just go walk into oh a theater
1: gosh. and say Brigadoon and run out and see what happens.
2: And <laughs> run, yeah, right. And then, or like, knock over a table and then say, "Oh my gosh!" It's just the Curse of Brigadoon, and then that can be the start of the new <laughs> Scottish play curse. It'll be a
1: whole. Thing. I love it. We're definitely adding that on the uh, write-up of the podcast. <laughs> Brigadoon! Exclamation points. Okay, great. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we've hit about our hour and past hour and uh I'm hungry. <laughs> Twin probably has to go to bed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> but
2: go thank eat. You so thank much. you, ladies. This was so a podcast. And, and I don't say that in any kind of gender biased way.
1: <laughs> Sweet dude, good
2: job. No, it was really wonderful.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com. and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Common License 3.0.